0: Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere.
1: and welcome to our podcast for NR 562 on the responsible use of healthcare resources. This is Dr. Mariah Hawkin with the MSN Accelerated Track program, full-time faculty. And I am so pleased to have with me today, Dr. Mary Ann Deggs, who's one of our visiting professors in the Accelerated Track. Dr. Deggs, could you introduce yourself?
0: Yes, thank you, Dr. Hawkins. I really appreciate this opportunity. In addition to working as a visiting professor in the accelerated track here at Chamberlain, I also work as a clinical nurse specialist and clinical nurse leader at the University of Alabama Birmingham Hospital in a very big 20-bed cardiothoracic intensive care unit.
1: Well, thank you. We so welcome your expertise and your knowledge and appreciate your time today in talking about the responsible use of healthcare resources. So let's start sort of broad and would you be able to provide an overview of healthcare resources and the responsible use of those resources?
0: Certainly. The term healthcare resources can be used to broadly refer to the human, material, physical, and financial resources that are used to provide health care to individuals and populations across healthcare systems. From this vantage point, we realize that healthcare resources extend far beyond a physical building or insurance coverage for care delivery. In addition to physical space, facilities, and financial funding streams, resources within the healthcare system include the human capital and their respective expertise, information management systems, technology, and even tools for diagnosis and treatment, essentially any resource that allows for the provision of healthcare. A continued volume of uninsured individuals, rising costs, and changes in reimbursement can impact the allocation of healthcare resources. In order for healthcare systems to thrive, providers and consumers must be insightful stewards of healthcare resources. Consequences of avoidable use of healthcare resources include higher costs, poor quality of care, and other negative organizational outcomes. Strategies to resolve these concerns must address the underlying variables that contribute to the use of these healthcare resources.
1: Wow. Thank you, Dr. Diggs. I think that really highlights how there's many facets to healthcare resources and that really encompasses a lot of pieces. So building on that and you really have started to mention several of these types of resources, but what do we mean when we talk about healthcare resources in terms of the many resources that would be included?
0: Well, healthcare resources can be anything that is needed to care for patients within a particular setting, such as a hospital or clinic. This includes funds, competent staff, equipment and supplies, space and even access to fresh water and electricity. The hospital I work at has almost 1,200 beds between two campuses, and I sometimes reflect on how difficult it must be to ensure that everything runs smoothly and general maintenance is completed. We have several green spaces, so even lawn care is needed.
1: That's great even to highlight that the resources go beyond just the four walls of the institution and do include that exterior space such as long maintenance, parking, parking structures, anywhere from, you know, light bulbs outside in the parking areas. So it is really important to think that resources are really all the moving parts that help that healthcare organization to stay running, basically. So, when we talk about responsible use of healthcare resources, what does that look like in action on a day to day basis?
0: The Institute of Medicine described aims for improvement in healthcare, which includes the concepts safe, timely, effective, efficient, equitable, and patient centered. This is also known as STEEP. I believe that responsible use of healthcare resources should be guided by these tenants in conjunction with models for improvement, such as the PDCA cycle. For example, the Cardiothoracic Unit, or CICU, at the University of Alabama at Birmingham Hospital had the highest incidence of hospital-acquired pressure injuries, or happies within the organization. Unit leadership determined that the number of happies in the CICU would be reduced. The purpose of our evidence based process improvement project was to decrease the number of hospital acquired pressure injuries in the cardiothoracic intensive care unit by at least 10% over a one year period. So we wanted to reduce our number by at least five. The aims for improvement centered on patient centered care that was safe and effective. A unit based, happy quality improvement team was developed in the CICU. This team was comprised of clinical nurses, unit leadership, including myself and our nurse manager, wound ostomy continence nurses, and a quality improvement facilitator from our Center for Nursing Excellence. A kickoff team meeting was held, and after brainstorming, an admission bundle, a daily care bundle, and a happy bundle were developed and ultimately implemented. Use of evidence-based bundles outlining nursing interventions is key to the prevention of happies in the critical care patient. Prophylactic foam dressings, which we were already using on the sacrum, were utilized for the heels and the elbows, along with a fluidized pillow. From the literature, we knew that use of foam dressings prevention of sacral happies has great utility in preventing these pressure injuries. Our quality improvement team believes that based on this information, use of foam dressings on the heels and elbows would also help reduce pressure injuries in these areas. It's been advocated for the use of a root cause analysis, or RCA, for each pressure injury in order to ascertain any preventable etiologies. So our unit leadership, in conjunction with our wound ostomy continence nurses, conducted an RCA for each new pressure injury in CICU, and this really enabled us to identify commonalities between the pressure injuries that we were seeing. All documented happies were assessed by the wound ostomy continence nurse to verify. We tracked each happy. we shared information with our staff, and we performed an RCA. I'm very happy to say that in one year, we were able to reduce our hospital-acquired pressure injuries in the CICU by 60%, so we were able to reduce that number by 32. The average cost of treating a happy is estimated to be around $10,000 nationally, so the cost savings in one year was about $320,000.
1: Wow, that's wonderful results and a wonderful example of the responsible use of healthcare resources and um, promoting patient outcomes sort of higher level concept or practice that comes to mind from my practice is each day we would, at the hospital that I worked, we were a much smaller facility, we were a 400 bed facility, but each morning all leadership met at 9 a.m. to do a quick 15 minute huddle. And this included facilities management, risk management and safety, environmental services, all the nursing leaders, radiology, really every department, so it was quite a lot of people in a, in a room that would meet every morning and everybody would provide just a very high level overview of any barriers that they saw for the day or coming up in that week and many people didn't have anything so they would just say nothing you know for today but it really helped to move through each of those areas that added to the organization running efficiently and effectively and making sure that our resources were were where they needed to be in action on a day-to-day basis so just an example that i really thought of that could highlight you know many different disciplines coming together to make sure that all resources are working as they should within the healthcare system. So thanks again. Our next question talks about emergency room or ER avoidable use, and that is one example of misusing healthcare resources. What are some additional examples of the misuse
0: of healthcare resources? Well, Dr. Hawken, one example that I found in the literature and that I see actually sometimes in my own clinical setting is the futility end-of-life care in the intensive care unit. It's estimated that 20% of all medical costs in the United States does result from ICU care. There have been so many advancements in the medical field that those who would not have survived even 10 years ago now can. In my microsystem, extracorporeal life support in adults is an advanced medical technology that has saved so many lives. However, it can take several months for some of these patients to recover, and unfortunately, some do not. I believe that it can be so difficult to discern the point at which this care does become futile, particularly for the patient's family or their significant other. Care is generally defined as futile when the goals of care can no longer be maintained. I can imagine how difficult it must be for a patient or family to make the decision to withdraw or discontinue care. And truthfully, medical professionals may feel obligated to continue the treatment course. Another example is misuse of antibiotics. Consumers may demand or providers may prescribe antibiotic therapy inappropriately. It is well known that antibiotics are not of benefit in treating viral infections. The misuse of antibiotics has actually led to the rise of multi drug resistant organisms, and this has resulted in a public health issue which can lead to longer and more severe illness, more visits to a provider, and the need to use stronger and even more expensive antibiotics, and even death. And lastly, The issue of unnecessary or duplicative diagnostic procedures includes the irresponsible use of unnecessary or duplicative procedures that result in higher health care costs, as well as potential or actual harm. Providers may order these procedures due to insistence from the consumer, wanting reassurance, or even just to keep patients happy. They may be fearful of malpractice issues, or maybe they have purchased or invested in some new technology that they want to use. Many diagnostic procedures can expose patients to radiation or contrast. Both can result in complications such as radiation, dermatitis, or acute kidney injury from contrast.
1: Those are three great examples of the misuse of healthcare resources. And I think, you know, what a lot of it boils down to is just miseducation of, you know, healthcare consumers or patients as well Mm -hmm. as the medical team. So. You know, really, as advanced practice nurses, we are, at the MSN level, we are in a position to help provide education, to develop educational initiatives, to work within our systems and our communities to educate people on some of this, these misuses of healthcare resources. Thanks again Absolutely. for those examples. So, what are some tangible steps nurse leaders can take to foster responsible use of resources within the microsystem, mesosystem, and macrosystem?
0: Well, Dr. Hawkins, misuse of healthcare resources affect both quality of care as well as cost of care, and it can also lead to harm. Uh, Nurse leaders are uniquely suited to foster responsible use of resources at all levels of the healthcare system. And this can be accomplished through incorporating evidence-based practices into policies and regulations and identification of the misuse of healthcare resources, along with development of guidelines based upon evidence-based practices and clinical research. Our course textbook highlights accomplishments of nurse leaders and develop chapter topics based on information obtained from these leaders. Several chapters revolve around the topic of value-based metrics, which is I believe critical to this topic. At the microsystem level, the nurse leader creates a culture of safety and quality with fiscal integrity in mind. Nurse leaders can guide quality improvement initiatives in conjunction with key stakeholders in the microsystem. Monitoring and review of quality metrics is imperative. Nursing-sensitive indicators such as falls, restraint use, hospital-acquired pressure injuries, or hospital-acquired infections are amenable to our nursing interventions. Development, implementation, and evaluation of evidence-based bundles can be used to improve quality of care and patient safety. The clinical nurse leader, for example, assesses that the number of central venous line associated bloodstream infections on the nursing unit are increasing. An interdisciplinary evidence-based bundle is developed, shift huddles are conducted to educate staff and implementation ensues. The CNL conducts daily rounds to ensure that there is compliance with the new bundle and to answer any questions staff may have. During multidisciplinary rounds with the healthcare team, central venous line necessity is assessed in each affected patient in order to determine if the line can be discontinued. Reduction of CVL days fosters responsible use and decreases infections. Once the bundle is proven to be successful, it is rolled out to other like units or microsystems in a service line. This reduces variation in practice throughout the trajectory of care. Central venous line associated infections and CVL days are tracked. The success of the CVL bundle interventions, particularly reduction of central venous line days and infection rates in the service line is successful. So all nursing units roll out the evidence-based bundle. Metrics are tracked and reported to hospital leadership, physician leadership, as well as board members.
1: Thank you for talking about some of those steps that leaders can take to foster those responsible uses of resources. I do just wanna take a step back And just help to define microsystem, mesosystem, and macrosystem, because I think while we use those terms quite frequently, it it can be sort of hard to conceptualize, you know, what those levels are within that greater system. So, microsystems really are the units that make up the mesosystem and then the macrosystem. So, microsystems, like you highlighted, can include individual units in the hospital. They can include private practice in terms of maybe a nurse midwifery practice that comes into the hospital or contracts with the hospital. It could be a renal dialysis team, a fertility clinic, or cardiac surgery team, emergency department. So lots of pieces, lots of microsystems within that greater organization. And then the mesosystem really is, it's that middle level that interfaces between the microsystems and the macrosystem. So, a lot of times that is consists of the management level of the health system and those managers work together to link the microsystems and allow for standardization and help to, again, cross all paths of the microsystem so that we're not working in silos. And then building up from there is the macro system, and that's the larger health system. So that could be a macro system could be composed of, you know, one individual hospital that is working independently, or it could be a a series of hospitals or clinics that are all aligned and working under the same framework. So, Again, I know I just kind of took a step back there, but I did want to talk about what those terms mean and how they interact and make up those parts for that responsible use of resources. So, Dr. Diggs, thank you again for your time today. I much appreciated. This was a great discussion, great discussion on some of the examples of healthcare resources, what they look like in action day to day. What are some of the misuses we talked about, some of those misuses of healthcare resources, and how the advanced practice or MSN nurse can help to
0: foster responsible use.
1: Dr. Diggs, did you have anything that you wanted to comment
0: on in wrap-up or closure? I did want to, if we have time, to just provide a quick example regarding population health at the macro system. Last night, I noticed that the AACN has released a public service announcement regarding the COVID-19 pandemic and how this is stressing the healthcare system. Talking points included the importance of getting vaccinated, and nurse leaders can take this message down to the mesosystem, from the macrosystem to the mesosystem, and even down to the microsystem and to the general public.
1: Great. Thank you definitely for pointing out that public service announcement just from last night. And that's a great example of bringing that down to each level and the responsible use of resources. Well, thank you again, Dr. Diggs, for your time today. And thank you to all of our students who are listening in. I know you enjoyed our discussion today. I'm sure you did. And we will be talking to you in additional podcasts going forward. Thank you and take care.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Hawkins. Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.